Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown. We are just one day away from the new SBFL season. Celtic take on Ross County tomorrow morning at 12.30. I hope you all have your PJs on, have a carrot out for Brendan Rodgers coming during the night. And I hope you're all going to be very excited for the season going ahead. Alan Morrison, I know you're excited. Yeah, always. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come into my bedroom now. <laughs> well, maybe it might be Jiko James. Ca- carrot, oh, carrot will be out there ready. <laughs> my heavens, that would be quite the sight. How are we doing? Are we excited? Very much so. Um, you know, it, 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 it's funny how it feels like such a long season intra. And then, um, you know, by that first week in June, it's you already start to get antsy as far as getting it started again. So. Yeah, it's always always good to get to this point. I feel wholly underprepared for this season ahead. I just the anticipation of it, I don't know what to anticipate, so therefore I'm just kind of going with it, hoping that the first game gets off to a winning start and then figure it out as we go along. I think that's what most people are doing as well, because even with preseason, under Ange you could almost tell what was happening under Bren Rogers. It's like I I genuinely don't know what who is going to be at the club? Who's going to be playing where? Could Liam Scales be starting? Could Starfelt <laughs> be out the door? Could Kyogo be playing in midfield? I just don't know what the starting lineup is going to be against Ross County tomorrow, but we're going to be looking ahead to that game on today's podcast. We're also going to be looking at the starting 11, the transfer window, and the season ahead as a whole. So, Alan, I'll throw this to you first. Are there going to be many surprises on the starting team sheet tomorrow in your opinion I could make a case for there being quite a few um, and I think it's going to it may well come down to um, you know risk <laughs> risk it always comes down to risk and how many changes does the manager have the appetite to make that are putting his imprint on the team given that he's had his time to assess players Um and versus, you know, how you know how, how disruptive do you feel you can be to what was a settled team last season? And I think most of the uncertainty is probably in defence, mainly due to injury, and we don't really know what state after. I mean, you know, Kartovics has had half a game, Navrotsky's had half a game, um, you know, uh, Ralston's had half a game, uh, etc. So you know, we don't really know to what extent those players are truly game ready. 
Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, it's Ross County at home. <laughs> it'll be, you know, they'll be, they'll be, they're the four games into their season of full of the the joys of early season, etc. And I'm sure they'll be well up for it. But I could make a case for for quite a radical back five. Um, you know, the the Wolves game was a a real eye opener for me in terms of the extent to which Joe Hart has deteriorated physically. Um, you know, his reaction times, his speed out to the ball uh, was so slow and his passing was all over the place. He looked bereft of confidence as well as he just looked older. I'm not trying to be dramatic. It was just an honest, my honest assessment is he just looked, um, he looked like he'd aged considerably over the summer. Um, and, And that, you know, we know that this is coming um and he didn't play against athletic so you know i could i would not be surprised if one of the other two goalkeepers starts now i wouldn't know which one it would be Segrist or bain but i strongly suspect one of those could start i could make a case for saying that iwata would start at right back um he was pretty solid i know he had the one the one error but it, you know in terms of having a ball playing Midfielder as your fullback, I think that might appeal to Rogers. If Carter Vickers is is match fit, he'll play. There's no doubt about that. And with you know rumours circulating around Starfelt, uh, if Narop Narofsky's up to match fitness, I think he'll start. And then at left back, if I'm being brutally honest, if I was picking it on form, I'd pick Bernabe. And also, I think Bernabe is more of a Rogers type of player. Now, that's all very kind of radical to where we were last season. Um, I don't think you'll. I think out of all of those, I think they'll they're they're possible. I don't think you'll play Bernabe. I think it'll be too much change, and Taylor will be seen as a a safer bet. But you know, Taylor's form in preseason has been really poor, in my opinion. So you know, that could be another area. And again, again, I think Bernabe looks to me more of a Rogers type of fullback. So I could make a case for. Of quite a radically different back five, and mm. then in midfield, would you be shocked if Turnbull started over Hitati? I I wouldn't be on again on the on the evidence of the last couple of games. Um, that wouldn't be a shock to me. I think the only the only part of the team that I think is nailed on is the front three and and McGregor uh, and, and probably O'Reilly. But I think outside of that, you could have quite a debate as to who you think is going to play, and that's what makes it very interesting. <laughs> Well, interesting is the word. Um, we'll start with the back five, let's say, or back four. I don't want to go too deep into the hard conversation because we've had that multiple times now, and I think most Celtic fans will be in agreement that that's somewhere that hopefully there might be an incoming coming in before the end of the transfer window. So let's focus on the defenders. Um, we'll start with Starfelt because there are rumours today, James, that Carl Starfelt could be leaving the club depending on who the uh, suitors are, what the money is coming in from them. Uh, Celtic aren't really that light in terms of bodies when it comes to centre-back. They've got you know, Welsh, they've got Navrosky, they've got uh, Kobayashi, then Cameron Carter-Vickers. So if Starfell is leaving the club, it's not going to be before tomorrow. So my opinion is, based upon what Rogers has been saying about turn about uh, Ralston and Cameron Carter-Vickers, basically said that they're both back 
and they're both relatively fit. They're both in a better position than they thought they would be, but they're still not fully there. My idea for tomorrow is that Celtic are going to start with Navrotsky and Starfelt, which is a brand new partnership and one that we might only see once a season. I tell you what, man, you guys, I, I'm, I'm, uh, my niche on this show is to be the crazy American radical uh, who brings in, you know, stupid American sports analogies and that kind of stuff. And you guys are blowing me away with this stuff. I mean, I'm going to have to take up my game as far as radical ideas and propositions. Um, I mean, this is, whoa, some, some of the stuff you guys just said, I, I hadn't even considered or, or, um, spend any time thinking about um so i i think i think carter vickers as long as and again i think the context of who we're playing and that it's flag day and um it's at home against you know ross county who generally do not you know in the pendulum of domestic opponents who should bunker they tend not to bunker as severely um uh, under Mackay and um so again, they're still going to play defensively, but generally they tend not to be as compact, that kind of thing. So this is the kind of game where we should really dominate. And um, so I think that's part of the calibration here, at least I would think. Uh, so as long as Carter Vickers is, you know, this is not going to be a taxing 90 minutes for guys coming back, particularly at the center back position, I would think. Um coming back from a long-term injury like he is and and the fact that he did put a half in against a good quality opponent and he seemed to be I mean he was flying around doing tackles and stuff so you know ho- hopefully he's ready to go so that I'm swatting that away and get the hell out of here with that idea um so as far as Starfelt goes I mean my thinking is if it, if he's pipelined to go um you know and again there's talks about with his relationship and proximity of where his uh, his lady friend is is living and playing now and that kind of stuff that it wouldn't be shocking that somebody in his position given his age you know if he can get a bigger contract down south again that wouldn't be a shocking decision that a player might want to make um at his career point uh so i'm not sure why against ross county at home you don't play um narofsky has again my polish you guys with your linguistic talent Navratsky. Navratsky. um mm. so that's as good as my korean and japanese um is i would just go with him um now i'm not saying there aren't risks with all of this stuff there obviously are but th- based off of what you guys are saying like we're at that point where there's so much kind of weird fluidity here you know there, there I, I think reasonable people can throw a lot of stuff against the wall here and it probably isn't crazy like it's there's a lot of reasonable variation here um that could take place uh ralston coming back you know the fullback position being a more demanding one even against the ross county than center back so i could see that calibration being a little bit different than 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 carter vickers i hadn't thought about the idea that of dropping heart to be honest with you i just kind of dead set in the way alan put it i mean i don't disagree with anything that he analyzed I'm just hadn't thought about that. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's part of why I think that there might be a big signing coming in at some point at the keeper position. At least I'm hoping. Um, I mean, I, I, if he, if he's going to drop hard, I can't imagine it's going to be for Segrist because he's even worse with his feet (laughs) than hard is probably. Um, So I'm thinking, I mean, again, 
what's the response? I, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision, even from from Rogers' perspective. But if Scott Bain is the starting keeper <laughs> tomorrow, uh, Twitter's going to be quite the enjoyable, interesting place. Um, so yeah, dropping Hatate would be a, an incredible decision. Um, again, I the way he play he's played and you know, the, the change in system and that kind of stuff. It, it wouldn't shock me if that decision were made um, from an analytical perspective, but from a, you know, from a, a, the politics of transition as a new manager here, that would be quite the, quite the decision to make as well. So I, th- these would all kind of blow my doors off if they happen. Yeah. I'll tag Brendan Rogers in some of those tweets. Um, and maybe <laughs> if he's thinking of changing, bringing in uh, someone for Atate, we, we, we have to find different. his, we have to find his burner account. That's, that's yeah. our next project. What, 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 you know, kind of got my spidey senses tingling was the fact that, you know, Atate was superb in those games in, in Japan. He was really exceptional. It like he had pushed on, like he was taking on more responsibility. Um, he just, you know, the way that he was, taking the ball on the half turn, you know, driving the team forward, getting the ball forward quickly, I thought was excellent. And then suddenly in the last two games, it's just like fallen off a cliff. Um, and How it, much it, of that, Alan? reminded me. I'm sorry, because I, 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 I apologize for interrupting, but I, I think it's germane to what you're, you're talking about. Because I, his role, from what I've been able to ascertain, even looking at the, you know, the dopey Y-Scout stuff, is it looks like he was positioned very differently. And I... Um, I even did a little thread on Twitter about it, meaning that in, in Japan, he was playing almost like the deepest um, midfielder role, you know, almost like the old Scott Brown role of collecting the ball and being the focal mm. point of transition out from um, the back four, uh, almost like the Greg Taylor inverted fullback role under Ange. It's kind of like the the analogy I drew. Uh, whereas he was almost a 10 or like a more in the advanced box to box role um in in these you know most more recent games uh so i I just wanted to is that also what you kind of perceived alan when you've looked at the games and and how much do you think that implicates relative to you know um this issue as far as because he did i mean he obviously had a couple of his brilliant moments um but yeah some really really awful ones too so i was wondering what what you thought about I think in the Japanese games, I, my perception was he was more of a slightly double pivot, like you say, a little bit deeper. And I thought he was exceptional in that role. Um, against Wolves, he was more on of the, and against Bilbao, he's more of the classic sort of number eight in Anja's system, the sort of left of the of the three, if you like. Um, the, the 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 thing, the, the two, two two sort of takeaways I had from the Wolves game. Apart from you know, I was almost jaw dropping how slow Hart was and getting out to situations. Um, was that the Wolves just attacked our right left hand side? <laughs> they just went that, down that side again and again and again, and and it, and it was the sight of McGregor, Hitati, and Taylor trying to rugby tackle guys because they were just getting run run past by more athletic players. And you know, McGregor's going to play right. So there's no doubt about that. But I just think, I mean, if I could see that, I'm absolutely convinced a, a, an elite coach like, you know, um, Rogers can, can, can see both of those of those things. Uh, and against Bilbao, it was, 
he just I mean his goal was exceptional it was a brilliant goal that that was like that one of those wonderful moments but he, how many times did he give the ball away in central areas near goal in that first half was it three four five I can't it, it was a lot and but it just looked like a player it just reminded me of I, I always remember I think we've, in Rogers first season. And I think we played, ironically enough, Leicester City in a friendly game. And I think we were between Champions League matches. And Johansson played. And um, uh, Stephanie Johansson played. And I, I remember at the time thinking, I don't think I've ever seen a professional football player put less into a, into a performance than what he did that day. I know it was only a friendly. But then three days later, he got sold to, to Fulham. And it all kind of made sense. And I, I just... It, 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 it's... it's, it's the difference between his performances in Japan, which looked switched on, mature, like he'd really pushed on as a player, taking responsibility, fantastic. To, to those last two, I, I just I, I can't explain. It was like night and day. So I don't. I'm kind of speculating. But I don't know if there's something else going on there, but or whether it's just the normal vagaries of preseason, and I'm looking far too deeply into this. But I just. Again, I was just I was being a little bit controversial when I was talking about who should play tomorrow in the in the, in the spirit of right. if right. I was looking at this from, from from let's look at the preseason games and let's pick the team on form. Never mind all the other considerations about balance and you know disruption and and, and relationships and all that sort of stuff. Then that's what I would that potentially. I, I think you could make a case for it, but mm. but I just I did think it was you know I, I thought it was remarkable as in worthy of remark, the, the difference in quality performances between those Japan games and those last two games. Even, even Can I off- pre-season, I get that, I get that. Yeah. Can I offer up a very boring, uh, mundane potential reason for that? Yeah. Tiredness. Yeah. Travelled from Japan to Ireland, to Scotland, to Ireland, back to Scotland. Not ideal, like, you know, like, it, it, I know they had games yeah. uh, organized in Korea, which would have made things easier, but I can't imagine it would have been easy on the players. And obviously everyone else did that. So, you know, you'd expect to see it, but maybe it just affected him more. You, who knows? Who knows? It, it, yeah. it might be something that you're suggesting, but in terms of David Turnbull himself, yeah. I mean, Rogers was very, uh, uh, very keen on making sure he, praised David Turnbull after the games, especially the one on Tuesday. He said that he's had a very good preseason. He was excellent in Japan. He likes him as a footballer. He's got the tools. He's comfortable on the ball. He can score goals. And the one thing he said about him is that he, he needs to just keep working and keep on the move. So he doesn't want him, you know, trotting around the field as right. David Turnbull tends to do sometimes, which is sort of the opposite of what Hatate does sometimes. Sometimes you want Hatate just to stop, slow down, look at what's happening around him rather than just buzzing around the place, uh, which he, he tends to do quite a bit. Uh, before we move off the midfield, because I think it's sort of related, I do like Iwata as a right-back, just in the system that has Burnaby as the left-back, though, because I think if Burnaby's bombing forward the way he does, Iwata sl- slots in nicely into the central midfield or the central defence to form a back three or uh, form... We call that the loose um, Yeah. Holistic way, yeah, exactly. He didn't have the legs to get forward anymore, so he just played as a centre back most of the time. Um, but also, it also it also frees up Hatati if he's the number eight to get wide in the midfield, and Iwata can slot in as the uh, double pivot alongside Cal McGregor. So, I mean, 
that, that might be fanciful th- thinking, but that's why I like him. I think he's very versatile and can do multiple roles, which is why Ange brought him to the club in the first place. So I was definitely starting Wada as a right back over Ralston, given his fitness, given his versatility and, you know, just overall form, as you say, on, I thought he was excellent in preseason. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I, sorry, James. Go on. No, God, God. I was going to say, I think I think the point about width is an important one in terms of looking at that right back spot because what Ralston does give you, he does give you good width. He, he does like to attack the line, and under under um, especially with a bad in front of you, uh, I think I think um, Rogers is going to like having effectively three strikers. <laughs> is his front three? I think I think they're all three. Stri- I personally think there are three strikers. Two of them may play in a wide position, but essentially what that then means is you need someone to give you that width. If they're if they're coming inside and, and getting finding space in the box, which I think all three of them are really good at, then you need someone to provide that, which, which Iwata won't won't do, but Ralston will. So that, that's, I think that's a really that's, I think it's a good a good point, uh, well made really. But then again, you know that comes back to the left back area. Who's going to give you that width on the left hand side? And I think, yeah, I think, or, you know, Hatati could do that for sure. He does like to pull wide, but not to get to the byline, more to then feed the ball in from interesting angles. Yeah, so the other aspect of this, and again, this is where it's different relative to, um, you know, playing, let's say, at Aberdeen. Uh, was that next week? I think we go to Aberdeen already. Um, and, and certainly in the Champions League, where this, this is where I'm, I'm probably um, less alarmed with Hatate because of it. You know, uh, it looks like there was a little bit of experimentation going on with Rodgers. Uh, so, for example, um, when I did my dopey benchmarking thing with Holm, uh, when we signed him, I noted that, you know, he looked like he had the profile maybe of a, of a number 10. I mean, that very skilled. His decision-making metrics looked to be very strong, um, very talented on the ball, you know, even absent his uh, awesome YouTube videos of juggling and that kind of stuff. Um he hadn't had really any minutes of, of, of significance in that role uh, in his, his, his career up to that point. He'd almost um, universally been in a defensive midfield role or maybe as a box-to-box, not really in that number 10 role. And he did get deployed that way by Rodgers. I forget which game it was, but I, know, I specifically you know, made a mental note. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like He was playing in the, in the O'Reilly role or the, the old Tom Rod, Rogic role of being – you know, that kind of classic number 10. Um, so I wonder how much of this, because again, Hatate was almost populating that space. I mean, Scout even had him as a second striker at points in, um, in, in you know, the, the, the two games um, recently. So I, I think some of this has to do with experimentation and, and that leads to the fascinating part of this, which we've talked about, you know, already since Roger's return, which is him being a far more kind of fluid um, tactician and and how he's going to deploy players. Um, so I, my guess is uh, one of the two, or maybe even both, Bernabe and Ralston. I, I suspect it'll be. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if it's Taylor and Awada, that because I agree with Alan. Like that would be an interesting kind of odd almost uh, iteration. Not that it'll be that meaningful against you know uh, Ross County at home, but um, this issue of width, I'd agree with, um, and I think. The other issue on a look forward basis, as I hinted at, with like an Aberdeen on at Pitadri or in the Champions League, is this kind of deep playmaking passer 
hitting long balls to these three three strikers that are populating the front that are all adept at getting in behind. And that we've talked about this the last two seasons, even under Ange, that they've made all these runs and they very rarely get hit with any kind of adept long passing. And that's where I find the tra- the potential transition of Hatate into that deepest role. I think that suits him a lot um, from a go-forward basis. There's all this other issues about sloppiness and passing potentially and positional awareness that he gets caught on the ball. And, you know, I think all that stuff is valid concerns and um, I think he can get better at it, hopefully. But uh, this ability of him to play these long balls that McGregor's you know, hasn't been his strength historically. He might get better at it under Rogers as well. Potentially. He certainly has the technical skills to get better at it. Um, one, one would think, and that, you know, so, so setting up with those two kind of wide center backs, the two sitting midfielders kind of, you know, pl- deep orchestrating, so to speak, um, with the fullbacks overlapping both of them, I could even see against Ross County. Um, and more of like a, you know, four, six, and it won't be like that, but um, uh, that that's kind of how I've been thinking about it. But I, what you guys have been saying is would be, you know, fascinating. So I, I've been thinking more of McGregor or Tate like they were in Japan with probably O'Reilly as the 10 with at least one fullback, maybe both bombing on with the three forwards, you know, um, doing what they do, which again is, is quite exciting. Mm-hmm. Do we foresee it being anything other than a traditional sort of four three three general ship? Because yeah, I don't I, see four three three. I don't see no? it. I, okay. I don't. I don't think we have the midfielders to play that the way Rogers would want yeah. it. We don't have the 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 horses, <laughs> uh, the pace and power guys um, that I think he would want to populate those kind of roles. Um, that's my interpretation of it anyway. Well, I guess that sort of answers one question, but what I was sort of leading into is the idea of playing a double pivot against Ross County. Celtic don't need a second defensive ship in terms of the midfield uh, against Ross County. They're going to be playing in their half most of the time. So how do we foresee it looking on the pitch as a general shape, even though we're all in agreement that you know, formations are just shapes that the team sort of looks like. It's not necessarily always what it is wedded to. So um, interesting to get your text on that. Yeah, I mean, I think whatever you call it, whether it's 4-2-3-1 or, you know, 4-3-3, the objective will be to find you know, space in the opposition box and get the ball into, into players in dangerous positions, right? And it's really the difference between Postacoglu and, and Rogers will be the method in which they use to do that. So um, I don't. I'm not too hung up on what you want to call that, really, in terms of a formation. I think we'll have four nominal defenders, but how you utilise the fullbacks to try and create attacking possibilities will be interesting, and how you use the three midfielders to supplement the three forwards will be interesting. What shape that ends up looking like, uh, like you, like James said, it could be like a four-six. It could be a two-three-five, like Postecoglou's ended up being as an attacking shape or variants thereof. That's less important to me than what are we doing to move the defenders about? What are we doing to find the spaces? What are we doing to manipulate the ball into dangerous areas? How how are we doing that? That's really, the for me, will be the, the fascinating aspect of this. 
I mean, I, th- I think, you know, what James said about Hatati in a deeper role, I can see that having a lot of utility, especially when you've, you're heavy on possession. What does McGregor do whilst Hatati is playing that role? I don't know, um, you know, because again, you, you want you want players to be to be trying to affect the play further up the pitch as, as many of them as possible, sort of thing. So yeah, I think I think it's just hugely, you know, as I say, having a bit of fun, really, sort of throwing around a few controversial thoughts to begin the the the, the, the show on. But I, I genuinely do think it'll be fascinating to see what we end up with as a as a starting lineup, first of all, because you know, listen, Rogers is um, as you rightly say, it's been kind of quite quiet and just quite calm and just business has, has been you know, getting on with. But, you know, Rogers has got an ego and he's going to want to make his mark. And I think tomorrow we'll see a little bit of that in terms of, you know, who he's, you'll see some hints really as to who's, who's really are, is going to be in the plans going forward and who might not actually be as important as perhaps we thought they were. I think, I think there'll be, a, I do think there'll be a couple of surprises. Yeah. And I, when I take, you know, the four, two, three, one with the two, you know, pivots, um, if if you watch the games back from Japan, very fluid, very um, <clears throat> rotational with one or the other, often McGregor making the runs from deep, but in possession in the final third, also Hitate, which again, I think suits him making those runs from deep. Um, but it, it, it's not this static that two guys standing there and, you know, distributing like Pirlo or something. It was, it was, it's far more dynamic with that. Uh, the, the interchanging, the overloads, and and the rotation. Um, but w- why I found it noticeable is that within that context, Hitate was the deepest one, almost like the like the one and one A. You know, one is Hitate deep, one A is McGregor deep. So on on balance with the rotations, it was Hitate being the one more so than not collecting the ball, with McGregor being the next kind of link. Um, mm. and that would be a, that would be completely, you know, that's a very different role than what he played under Pasta Coglu, where if he was involved, it was more so stretched, you know, more in that wide role to connect with the inverted fullbacks when you, you know, you look, think about the triangles, um, in ball progression. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I just wanted to stress, it's not this like rigid, it, it, it's been very dynamic actually, the way that they were, when they did, you know, play that way. Um, with with McGregor and, and, and Hatate, so I actually mm-hmm. found it kind of exciting. I mean, that I, I I think that role suits Hatate uh, from a risk reward perspective. Again, there's still a risk. There's still that left tail on the risk side uh, with some of his decision making. But um, you know, t- t- to me, that suits him better um, than the attacking eight role, particularly against better teams. I'm going to make a, a slight prediction for how we're going to play and I'm going to adjust my glasses because it's going to make me sound very intelligent altogether. It's a, it's something that is in fashion right now and I think it's something that Rogers is going to try with Celtic and that's the box midfield. I think we're going to see that a little bit with, like you are saying, Hatate playing a little bit deeper and whether it's Matt O'Reilly or David Turnbull, whoever is, as a number 10 is going to be pulled wider of the normal number 10 slot in the middle and I think Kyogo is going to fall back in with Abada and Maida providing the width going forward for balls in behind coming inside, uh, getting in behind the defense. I think that's something that we will see Celtic experiment with. Might be a different variation to what I'm saying in terms of the personnel and the players and how it looks. Sometimes it's played with full backs as opposed to uh, four midfielders and a striker. So that's my prediction for the general shape. I think 
look out for a box midfield at some point tomorrow against Ross County um, because Rodgers has done that with Leicester um, and he did it previously with Liverpool back as far as 2012. So anybody who wants to tell you the box midfield is a new thing that Arteta invented in the last year, um, they're lying because it's been around for a long time. It just hasn't been given uh, a mainstream name. So just that's uh, that's something to look out for. In terms of the game tomorrow, we will get predictions don't worry, the predictions are back. They will be coming at the end of the podcast, but we'll we'll leave you in suspense for then because I want to talk about signings and where Celtic are at going into the season as a whole because I feel like, along with myself, there's a general feeling of, I'm not going to say negativity, but maybe just angst or nervousness going into the season. A lot of it seems to be based around the transfer window and seeing a lot of negativity around the transfer window. A lot of people think Celtic are definitely not prepared if Starfelt leaves, they definitely feel that Celtic are not prepared for the season going ahead. So, I mean, this is Celtic's transfer window so far. So they've got Nervoski, they've got Odin Tiago Holm, uh, Hyun Hyun Yang, Marco Tilio, uh, Hyuk Kyo Hyun, um, Awada signed on a permanent basis. And I just, and Jota has obviously left the club. So one major departure uh, from the club this season. Are we happy with that business so far? Rogers has has hinted at more incoming, so he was speaking ahead of the game or after the preseason games. I can't remember where this was from, but he basically said that he came in, they were given time to assess. There's definitely clear priorities in terms of positions that they're going to look at, and over time they're going to look to improve the squad further. Um, and he says now is the best time to do it. So it definitely seems like Celtic are dil- still in the market for players. And as we know, these bigger deals take longer to get over the line. So um, if there is big signings coming in, they're going to be done in the next couple of weeks before the window closes, as opposed to them happening three months ago. So are we happy with that? Are we happy with the way that Celtic have done their business this summer? Yeah, I mean, I'm not disappointed. I think it's we're being true to strategy. Uh, really, um, you know, the 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 more sort of projecty, um, obscure sort of youth signings that we hope to, younger players, I guess, that we want to develop. Uh, you know, the sort of cheaper end of the scale have been identified early, been tracked for quite a long time, and they've been brought in. Uh, I think Navrovsky is probably the exception to that. He's clearly at that price point and where he's come from. He'll be a well-known, well-scouted entity and earmarked for immediate involvement in the first team, I would imagine. But the others, well, Awata obviously is a, it was it was a bit of an exception, but the other three, I think, will you know, they'll, they'll be given time to bed in and integrate and they're they're very young players. You know, I I come back to uh, you know, hopefully trying to be consistent here of Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online 
and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We just—it doesn't matter whether it's four-three-three box midfield. Postecoglou, Rogers, it doesn't matter, right? We need better players to compete in the Champions League. I keep keep saying it, it's, 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 and it's not as simple as that. Just having better players won't make us necessarily competitive. You've got to have, you know, system plus personnel. It's not system or personnel. We saw last season that very strong system with decent personnel. There's a there's a ceiling there that you just ain't going to break through at Champions League level. Um, I think I think in reality it should have got us third place based on the performances, but it didn't. Um, but I don't think we're any further forward in that regard. And this is the only way that we're going to get further forward is finding a way to up, upskill the the actual quality in the squad. Easier said, easy to say, very difficult to do. Um, it does mean that you know, we are a relatively cash rich football club, uh, probably one of the more more cash rich football clubs in Europe these days. Um, that doesn't mean to say we're going to spend millions, millions, millions on individual transfers. You know, you spend, you tend to spend more money on wages over the duration, as we've said before. And the more money you spend on transfers, the more money you will spend on wages, etc. So, but I still think there's going to be a lot of business done. Personally, I think there'll still be some significant incomings that are being worked on, and I still think there might be a couple <laughs> exits that, um, whether we like Starfelt, whether people expect that or not, I don't know, but there could be a couple of significant exits as well. So I think there's a lot still to do. Um, we're, we're a month out from the end of the transfer window closing. We've got a bit of leeway until Champions League matches start, so no panic in that regard. We clearly identified, I think we could all identify probably very similar areas that we need to strengthen. Uh, Rogers himself has talked about two to three areas to strengthen. I presume if we lose some key players like Starfelt, that will mean additional um, uh, recruitment is needed. So, yeah, absolutely. But is it enough? Have we got enough in the squad to see us through the next four games, one game a week? I would hope that we have. So, you know, no no panic in that regard. Um, and just as I say, I think the, I suspect, and it's just a, a guess really in my part, that the market that we're trying to operate in, the type of players that we're trying to get hold of, you know, these, these deals are not done quickly necessarily because they're probably players that, or, or do have some demand 
around them. There's probably quite a lot of commitment and money. There's probably complex negotiations with with, with all sorts of parties to be had, etc. You know, would you be happier knowing that the club is is well run, good scouting department, which is what Rogers has said, all the infrastructure is in place, things might not be moving as fast as we all want. Would you rather that, or would you rather be operating in the unwanted and bargain basement where you can get all your deals done at the beginning of August because nobody else wants the players? Which which where, where would you want to be? I don't know where I'd, I'd want to be, right? I, I think we're you know we're operating consistently within within strategy. If we don't bring in those three first teams kind of levels players that raise the overall quality of the team by you know in a month's time, I'm probably I'll probably have a different viewpoint because then the evidence will have changed, and therefore I will change my uh, opinion. What about you, James? Yeah, so I I try to think about it. Um... You know, are we better than we were this time last year? And that's not as that's not as simple as are the players better. I think I agree with Alan. We need to improve um, generally the quality in the squad uh, to kind of reach our aspirations. Um, injuries are a part of that. You know, when Johnson gets back, that's going to be a material difference. Obviously, um, you know, Tilio one of the signings is going to be out still for some time, apparently, you know, so th- th- that has to factor in as well. But as far as the transfers go so far, I, I would say that if we don't make those material signings or if the material signings aren't of a quality and a fit, then we will not be better than we were this time last season. And that's a big problem. <laughs> uh, that would be a, I would think, you know, I, I would deem that a um, significant failure. And now the flip side of that, that's kind of the talent side of it. I, I'm encouraged on Rogers arrival and um, him being able to maybe get more out of certain players. We talked about that last week relative to maybe some personality fit uh, where he might, you know, resonate better with some players. Um, we've, we, we've talked about Bernabe maybe being a better fit for, for a Rogers um, uh, fullback position potentially, you know, the traditional tyranny type bombing on versus, um, you know, Burnaby never made any sense for, you know, the Greg Taylor-esque inverted role under Ange Ball. That, that just was, was kind of mystifying to begin with. Um, so I, I think there are some potential improvements in there from a utilization perspective. Those won't all be good. I mean, I'm, I'm still skeptical about our strikers outside of, well, just generally, our strikers dropping in the midfield. I'm not sure that's a great idea. Uh, we'll see. I, I'm, the more the more and more I've been thinking and uh, analyzing that question, I, I I wonder how much that's a good idea, just structurally. Um, so I, I, at this point, I, I think we need and, and you know this is always the least popular topic to get into, but um, you know, I had some fun this week posting on the Rangers uh, transfer window so far, and I, I've done my little benchmarking exercise with their window, and I think they're better. I, I think they are better than where they were this time last season. And I think the big part of that is because two of their, uh, you know, biggest players with biggest wages that should have been top performers for them were not good last year in Kent and Morales. So they were, they were almost like, empty shirts to a degree. So if they just replace them with like quality of people who are motivated, and I don't mean exactly the same, but, you know, uh, 
players of a similar quality that are motivated to perform and maybe want to be there, that in and of itself is a material shift. And they addressed, you know, a huge black hole going in the last season that turned into a a disaster for them, which was uh, a geriatric goalkeeper (laughs) who had a train wreck of a season. Um, And, you know, Butlin's not likely to be that. You know, he, who knows? He may, maybe he's not a world beater, but he's not going to be that bad. Like one of the worst keepers in the world, which is what McGregor was statistically last season. Uh, so it's going to be hard for them to get <laughs> worse than one of the worst in the world, right? So if you kind of look at baseline, um, I think they're, and again, these are all probability distributions. You never know. I, I think they're probably going to be better domestically than they were last season. I think at this point, if I'm going to argue, it's we're at best case the same, maybe a little worse. Um, Jota is a huge loss. I mean, I can't. I don't think we can. You know, uh, you know, you don't sell a player for 25 million. Who I, Alan's documented that's one of our players that did hold up pretty well in the Champions League. Um, losing that player is a big deal, uh, and and you know, uh, so I I think we need these last two three signings, like it, whatever they're going to be. And I'm hopeful of that. Like, that's my expectation. That's my hope. I think it makes sense with Rodgers coming in. And, you know, for, I cannot conceive of a situation where the talk was, Ange is going to get $30 million, and then this is the window that we end up with. And Scott Bain starting at keeper and go, I mean, you, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, they're, they're going to have... <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to have uh, a support that may not be in the, in the best of mood, um, which is another thing I put out is that again nothing conspiratorial. This just happens to be a season where the fixture rounds line up that ours are tougher in the first round. Like we're away to the teams that are more likely to give us issues. We're at Ibrox, we're at Patadri, we're at Livingston, we're at Hibs, we're at Hearts, right? And their Rangers are all home to all of those teams. Um, so, you know, I, I, I could see a scenario where if our window isn't materially improved from here, where there could be some nervous people within the first eight weeks of the season. Um, and I'd be one of them, quite frankly, um, because I think we need to get better. And, and I think Rangers have gotten better and, you know, I think we will like, that's, that's not, uh, to be alarmist. I, I think, you know, if we sign, two or three Carter Vickers, Jota level type talents, which I think we will. uh, And one of them's a keeper, then that's a game changer. Like that all of a sudden completely changes the competitive dynamics on, on what we could, I think reasonably look forward to uh, for the season. All that considered, and I'm going to put context to what I'm saying. I do think Celtic will make more signings, but let's just, Imagine a world where Celtic don't make more settings. I don't think it's been a bad window, per se. If, if you look at the signings that Celtic have made, firstly, so you've got Navrosky, 22 years old, Odin Tagahome, 20 years old, uh, Yang is 21, Tilio, 21, Juan is 22. That's a significant drop in the average level or age uh, profile of Celtic if you include Abada's age. Matt O'Reilly's age, Hitate's relative age. You've got quite a young and up-and-coming squad there in terms of, uh, firstly, durability to new ideas and management styles and tactics, uh, but also 
sell on value in terms of the actual financing and the way that Celtic do business going forward. It's much better to be buying a 20-year-old and developing him than buying a 26-year-old that you can't sell on. Secondly, you have to take into account the money that Celtic have spent nailing down Kyogo to a new deal, Maida to a new deal, McGregor to a new deal. That's huge. And then if you cast your mind back to last summer when Celtic didn't do much business, they essentially just nailed down a few names. They got uh, Jota uh, on a permanent basis, Cameron Carter-Vickers on a permanent basis, and Celtic were basically accused of standing still and doing nothing, and they were better the following year. They were better last year overall. I know it petered out a little bit, and there was injuries, and they had to deal with different things, and Champions League sort of put a little bit of a dent in the season. But Celtic won the treble last year, having been accused of standing still in the summer transfer window. I think there's scope for development and improvement from players and even seeing new things from players like Kyogo, I think will be very interesting to watch. I think Matt O'Reilly is going to be excellent. I think Hatate is going to have a a phenomenal season under Rodgers. Abada, like we said, has a chance to prove himself again at first team level. Maida will be given a different role that might play to his strengths more than being an on-the-ball winger um, and get more goals potentially. Hart is still a weak point, I will say that. Goalkeeping is de- definitely something that worries me. But overall, compared to last season, I don't think Celtic have had a bad transfer window overall. I think it's been pretty decent. And then you add in the context that the likelihood is Celtic are going to buy another player, if not another two players, still got money in the bank, have invested in the future, have a new coach, have a new coaching system, everything's sort of a little bit more calm and in place. I think I'm I'm pretty satisfied to be honest with the summer. So well, I I, I, I think there. Well, I'll be quick, Alan. Is is um I think there's quantity over quality is one thing. That's a question. I'm not saying, you know, I I do my analysis and I I have some concerns in that regard. Let's put it that way. I won't get into into it deep. Um, uh, but the other side of that, I mean, it's last to your point, and uh, and you said it. We didn't do that much last summer. Um, we didn't have to, to a degree, but we also didn't make any big sales. So again, you got to think about this from the perspective of how the clubs typically run. Um, so, you know, we have made a big sale this summer. Uh, so that, that's, that's part of this balancing. And, and this is where I go back to kind of just, is the, is the starting 11 better? That's the first thing. That's where I got into huge trouble on Twitter in, uh, October of 2020, uh, when I put out a thread, basically express at this point, this is the fun part, right? At that point, I, I, I got accused of being effectively a heretic for saying that the Ajeti, Laxall, Duffy, um, and Barkas window had not substantially improved our starting 11 from the prior season, right? So that was basically the thread I put out. Um, I'm kind of in the same place right now, which is, I, I'm not saying that the the players are going to be similar. You know, that's not the point. It's that season over season. I don't think our starting starting 11 has been impacted yet from the transfer window. I think there's some players there that might be in the future, um, you know, potentially really valuable I home in particular. I'm very encouraged about. Yeah. Um, but, th- but that's, that's kind of the way I'm thinking. And it, this is within the context of we clearly, this goes back to what Alan said. And I lied. I wasn't gonna be that brief clearly that our starting 11 weren't good enough for champions league level. So that's kind of my sequencing here is. Yeah. yeah. I, I would agree with you on the starting 11 point. I do uh, overall. Um, 
and but on the Champions League point, it's a, actually a point that I meant to touch on. I don't think if Celtic went out and spent spent all of the money that they could, every single cent of that showed the money. I don't think they'd be able to significantly make a dent in the Champions League. I think that's fanciful thinking that in one transfer window, Celtic could go out and get two two players that would, you know, instantly change their their stature within the Champions League. Um, I think it's about making inroads within the Europa League at this point in time is where Celtic should be looking at. Look, finish third in the Champions League. That is something that should be a priority. Get into the Europa League. I think you give it a good a give it a good, good go. But I think you can make those inroads without buying new players. I think it, it's a relatively new thing that the transfer window has become such an obsession for fans all across the globe in the Premier League and Celtic and everywhere else. The idea of having players and developing and improving those players seems to be something that has disappeared entirely that just because you have the same starting 11 as last year that you can't have improved because I think you can. Um, and I think the money that Celtic are working with at the minute in terms of where they can make improvements, I think they've set aside probably the foundations for improvement next year, which I know a lot of people won't be happy with, but that's, that's how I think. Um, Alan, you were going to come in there at the start there. Sorry. I think, I think you make a good point, and I would agree with that. I mean, last year we had a coach who, if you almost give him any set of players, he he will he will so rigid not rigidly it's not the right word but he will so um, emphatically implement a system of play that there will be there will some level high level of effectiveness will emerge from that almost without making too many transfers. Similarly with Rogers, I think we've got as I say, and I think we've got an elite coach, as in we've got an elite person on the training ground to work with players both as a as a man manager and as a as a, ta- as a as a technician as a developer of talent that he will make players that we already have better players i do believe that and I, and that's what i'm actually most excited to see i'm not clamoring for more um signings for the sake of it uh, and i agree with you that you know i think the signings that we have made are all developable developable develop Able, you know, they were young enough to be further developed, etc. Whether that's for profit or what have you, you know, wait and see. But all of those things, I'm completely sanguine about and very happy with. Um, as I say, so I'm not too concerned about the first sort of month of the season, if, if you know, rest of October really. If there's not too many new faces, it's just that. And I, and I also agree with you about we could spend a hundred million pounds on players, frankly, and still finish bottom of the Champions League group. Right. And nobody wants to do that. I agree with you, actually. I think we should just enough to try and get that third spot second as a bonus and, uh, and, and, and then try and make a run at it. That's, that's what I'm looking, I'm looking for. But yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at Rogers as somebody who he's paid a lot of money. He makes a difference to make those players better. And he also comes up with systems of play that make the team uh, better. But the, the only thing I would say that sits around that is, I come back to the conversation. I remind you of the point that I made when we were looking for when Ange left, which is that at the end of the season, the winners of the league go into the Champions League next season, and the bounty for that that getting into the Champions League next season is significantly larger than this season. And it's always, you know, and unfortunately, the nature of Scottish football, it's not just a case of do you want your club to have that bounty, is you don't want the other lot to have it. That's that's just the absolute truth of it, right? And what they've done is they've gone all in again on on relatively experienced players on probably very quite physical players as well um you know listen 
what James has said, I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of it, but I think um, for balance, we should say that, you know, equally, if you, we all know, right, if you go back over the last 10 years at Celtic, if you buy 10 players, right, how many of those 10 players are going to be a success? It's not, the answer is not going to be 10, right? So of all the players they've bought, are they all going to be a success? No, they're not. Some, In fact, some of them will be an absolute disaster. And two or three of them, if they're lucky, might turn out to be really good. And that's not because of, of them. That's because that's just the nature of how these things tend to, to play out. They've also got to gel together. You've got to come up with a system of play. You've got to integrate the existing players. All of those things come into it as well. And and remember, these players, um, you know, are, are, are hopefully not the market that Celtic are operating in. Four of those players um, are effectively were free transfers. They were not wanted. And as far as I'm aware, there wasn't a clamour from other clubs to sign them, right? There wasn't a huge queue of people fighting over these players. Lammers is a distressed buy. He was bought at 11 million. He sold at three and a half. Seema doesn't even have a, 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 a buy clause. Brighton are happy just to write the guy off, right? Um, you know, Dessers, they were happy to get rid of Danilo. Feinerd were very happy to, to get to get rid of because, you know, of, uh, you know potentially issues not to do with uh, with, with football, James will know more about Sifuentes. He seems like a, a decent player, but again, I don't recall that there being a, a queue of, of clubs, you know, uh, waiting to sign a guy. So, you, you know, let's let's be balanced about it. Uh, yes, I think they'll be stronger, they'll be physically stronger. I absolutely agree that having, even if Dessers and, um, you know, whatever Lammers are not as high a quality of player as Kent and Morelos, simply the fact that they'll be trying their hearts out is, means there'll be, there'll be better players on day one. Absolutely. For sure, that is that will be the case. But, you know, it's not a given they'll all blend. It's not a given they'll, they'll form a coherent uh, system. And, and as I say, it's not a given that they'll all turn out to be uh, successes. But, you know, they've gone, they've, gone, they've gone all in. You know, they've gone all in again. And, the, and they're not doing it in the way that we're doing it, which is bring in young players, develop them, you know, sustainability. This is like buy peak age players with virtually no resale value, pay them high wages and hope it all works out for the best in the Champions League. We've seen this story before, okay? So what we wanted to make sure is that that is a really miserable story at the end of the day. That's that's what we need to try and do. And we, as yeah. James's point, it does come down to we do need a better goalkeeper. We do need a better left back. We do need more energy in midfield. All those things are still true. And if they're not addressed by the end of the window, that's not throwing the toys out of the pram. That's not entitlement. That's just simply, you know, improving that starting eleven. Mm-hmm. And it's uncharted territory for Mickey Beale as well, because this will be his first time ever reaching a point of over a year with the same club in terms of his head coaching. So uh, how he deals with that and how he deals with the pressure of this is my team. I've had a full window with these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had a full preseason. Um, sorry, uh, and... sorry to interrupt you. And, uh, you know, which must-win game has Mickey won? Not, not a single one. Yeah. Right? So there's that, as a buddy pointed out to me today. Yeah. Um, one One final point I'll make on the transfer window, because I think it's an important one, and you sort of alluded to it there. And it's it's not often thought in this way, but I think it should be. We should be considering Brendan Rodgers as a new signing because Celt- what Celtic have essentially done there is they've sold an elite coach to Tottenham and replaced the elite coach with another elite coach. It, it, it would have been so easy for Celtic to take a budget option there 
and go for someone new, go for someone risky. But they went for the big name. The the name that was probably going to splinter the fan groups, they weren't afraid to, to do that. And that should be something that should be considered when we're looking at the money that Celtic have spent, that some of that is actually going into Brendan Rodgers as well. And it's well worth putting that investment into the manager as well. So that's that's my final point that I'll make on on the, the transfer window. We are edging up to the hour, hour mark, so we might just move on to our predictions. I'm not going to make you predict the season because I can't predict how tomorrow's going to go, and let alone how the entire season's going to uh, pan out. So I guess if you could give me like maybe your overall prediction for the season in terms of how you think Celtic are going to do, um, not title-wise, but in terms of like, are they going to be better than last year or middling a player that you think might surprise us? And then a prediction for tomorrow. So James, do you want to go first? I would be um, content if we won the league and one cup I think that would be fine with me. I mean, troubles are obviously, again, we've been spoiled with troubles, but I, I think given the competitive dynamics, um, even just winning the league would be, um, you know, to, for, for the competitive reasons that Alan cited, I mean, how important it is heading into next season that I, I think is of paramount importance. And I, I would be satisfied with that. Um, and then progress in Europe. I mean, I, some of that, you know, there's so much of the, this is, part of what I've spent quite a bit of time uh, on, on, on the analytics side is documenting how much is uncontrolled risk. Um, and that, that's goes back to my uh, career track record in financial markets. That's part of the analytics space there, which it, one of the ones that is, again, I haven't seen anyone else look at this and I've, I've harped on it a couple of times is that there was almost a one goal swing per game on average between Celtic and Rangers last season off of the quality of opposition keeper shot stopping. Okay. That is nuts. Like it's a weird outlier. Like Celtic just statistically had horror. And this is playing the same teams. And for the most part, the same keepers, right? That the, just the distribution, the way it worked out last season is that opposition keepers were horrible against us and materially less horrible against Rangers. And in past seasons, that has flipped at times. I mean, it's just normal, you know, kind of variance. Um, so I, I, the, some of the stuff we can't control. We can't control what the, the Champions League draw is going to be. I mean, there are versions of our draw that are going to be an absolute freaking nightmare, <laughs> which, which you know, will, will be good to finish fourth and, and be competitive. Whereas there's others, Champions League draws, where I think we could reasonably have a shot at second in, in a really positive, like if we do really well with our signings uh, for the end of the window. So to me, contextually, material improvement in Europe, that's not a rigid, like, I know it's a wishy-washy thing, but depending on our draw, that could mean a competitive fourth or it could mean fighting for second. Um, but if we see that there's you know, significant improvement that that's, that's what I want to see. I think we have a really good chance at both of those. Um, so I'm, I'm not reasonably optimistic with those, you know, that, that kind of context. Alan? You have to win the league. It's as simple as that. Um, in some ways, it, if Celtic win the league this year, it will almost ruin Scottish football because I think the league will become incredibly uncompetitive uh, for years. <laughs> that's how that's how big it is. 
but, but, but people, but people who aren't forget. fans of the Scottish League will laugh at you saying that the Scottish League isn't already <laughs> uncompetitive. Well, I know, I know, I know, but even even more so, right? Because it's that tra- it could be that transformational in terms of um, Celtic's ability to grow, and I'm talking about grow in relative to um, European benchmarks, not not Scottish benchmarks. Um, so for me, the league is is everything. We have to win the. I don't say don't care about the cups, but as long as we win the league, I'll be very happy. I want to see progress in Europe. I want to see a better um, problem solving in in those European games, such that we can compete better. Um, to me, any European football after Christmas is 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 a win, really. Um, so that, that those are the two two goals I'm looking for: the league and then some kind of European football after. After Christmas, um, in terms of who could be the surprise of the season, you asked. I, I, I think I think this could be a really big season for Abad. I really do. I think he's he's now got a manager that I think appreciates his talents and uh, he's a kind of player that will fit well within Rogers's team. And I think he's a player that actually, despite being used mainly as a sub, has continued to kind of grow as a player. And I think he's got a huge ceiling. So he, I think he's the one that I'm really excited about. Could have a big season. No. I will go with, I think winning the league, I agree with you, is an absolute number one priority. I want to win a game in the Champions League. I'm aware that's, you know, harder to, easier to say than to actually do. I'd like to win a game in the Champions League and win a knockout game in Europe. So that's my overarching um, idea of where, what I would consider a success for Celtic this year. I think Matt O'Reilly is definitely going to, be someone who improves under Rodgers. He's right up Rodgers' alley in terms of the midfielders that he likes. And Maida, I think Maida's going to score a bucket load of goals this season, the way that he's going to be played for for Rodgers. So <clears throat> that's my predictions for this season. What about predictions for tomorrow then? This is, a, this is the hardest game in the world to predict at the minute because we don't know who's going to play. So have at it. Yeah, I, I didn't mention a player. I apologize. I, I was going to go with O'Reilly as well, uh, but I, I think Abad is a good shout as well. Um, I mean, it, it should be like a four, five, six nil type of game. I mean, that's my expectation. Um, Rogers is going to want to come out, um, you know, a, a, out of the gates fast and um, want you know going to this once a week. And like I said, Ross County tends not to be the more cynical bunkering type. Um, even at Celtic Park. So there should be enough space and um, quality that, yeah, we, we should just blow them away. Um, so, yeah, that's outside of a set piece, I, I you know, hopefully a clean sheet. But, um, yeah, it's, it's one of the, the, the what has become uh, enjoyable flag days where we run up a score that's, you know, uh, a fun one. Alan, do you want to make a prediction? Well, I, I was on the, the Celtic Way bulletin and had to make a prediction, so I look a bit silly if I don't... Well, not that, you know, it's probably a zero a zero overlap of people that watch both, maybe, I don't know. But um, I think I said two, two nothing, a sort of solid, solid win. But really, for me, um, you know, nothing against Joe Hart. He's a lovely guy, and I think he's been great for two seasons. But I, I'm kind of hoping that Rodgers is bold. And 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 you know also if that means that we're looking for a top class goalkeeper in the market, that's even better. Um, I'm really excited about actually. I'm actually more excited about seeing some of the players like O'Reilly, like Abada, Hatate, um, you know Bernabe, 
you know, who, who to see how much Rogers can start to get them playing, uh, and, and Maeda even, you know, improving. Really, that's the, I think that's going to be the, the most exciting aspect of it. I think the um, the newer and younger players they'll, they'll, they'll bed in gradually. I think I, don't, I wouldn't expect too much from them initially. Um, so yeah, that's that's the, that's what I'm really excited to see. I think we'll get a solid win tomorrow. I hope, um, as you say. It's it's but it's more about again it's it's always with me it's always always the performance I'm really excited to see how we set up and how we play I think it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, same here. I think it's going to be a solid win. I'm going to go with a three 0 win. I think it's it's going guys to be, are webs. Yeah, I think it's going to be a webs. pretty good performance from Celtic. Probably a surprisingly good performance from Celtic. Um, I hope so. I really hope so because if it starts with. <laughs> If it starts like the Hearts game for Ange, it's just gonna really no way, no uh, way start as a as a worry. Um, for who's Celtic on, v- who's forward, on VAR but... tomorrow? That's what we have to ask. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no comment. Yeah, we 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 haven't. Uh, yeah, we haven't spent the last forty minutes talking about referees. I really missed that. Uh, so get ready for the season ahead. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> Right, that's where we'll park the show for this week. We will be reviewing this game, back with the reviews uh, as of next week. If you're new to the channel and you've just come across the show, be sure to hit uh, the subscribe button to get all the podcasts across the season. If you want to get the podcasts across the season, they are on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're at Huddle Breakdown on Twitter if you want to follow us. And um, if you want to get involved in the conversation, leave a comment below and get the predictions coming in for the season ahead and for the game tomorrow. Cheers, Alan. Thanks, James. We will chat to you next week when we'll be reviewing Celtic against Ross County. Until then, good luck.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.